Ten ten. Witten. <laughs> Happy Friday. Happy Yay. Friday, my friend. We made it. <laughs> we made it. We made it to the end of the year. Well, um, yeah, I think our uh, uh, we made it, but our intro didn't. Um, it's it's been playing up, folks. So maybe you didn't hear the uh, hear it very well. But uh, I think next year we'll have a new intro, Andy. That's what we're looking for. Yep. Yep. One with uh, <laughs> one with the right music. Absolutely. Well, uh, there's a few people here, so uh, good to see you guys. Thanks for stopping by for the last wine and wisdom for the year, Andy. The very last, lucky last. Yeah. Can you lucky believe last. it? Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, we're on the the uh, the light wine. Uh, I'm well, on mate, a rosé. Nice rosé. Mate, uh, I've got the uh, just down the road at Yabby Lake, the Pinot Gris, 2018. Very, very nice. Um, and I'm doing it in your style, mate. It's been open for three days and, and it's <laughs> it's still good. So uh, so this happy days. Three days old as well. You, like <laughs> white doesn't go off, you just keep it in the fridge. <laughs> uh, well, there's Deanne. Deanne is Deanne Deanne is a connoisseur of red wines. So uh, there you go. Um, uh, yeah, Candice was going to say, what is Andy drinking? It's a little bit, uh, you know, uh, uh, lightweight maybe is the right political word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, mate, uh, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Good to and see to you guys. You, good to see uh, a few of you folks in there. Teresa, um, good to see you. Candice, yes. We might give Andy a bit of cheek about his drinking because um, he gives me plenty, uh, that's for sure. So, <laughs> good day, Deanne. Uh, well, uh, welcome to our last Wine of Wisdom, folks, for the year. Um, we thought we might do, you know, a little bit of a wrap-up for the end of the year and sort of see what transpired. Um, oh, what Candice is is, uh, is giving us cheek, but she's on the iced tea, the iced lattes. So uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just building up the stamina for the night ahead. That's it. That's it. you got to get, you got to preload. Um, and uh, good morning to you. Oh, good afternoon, Chris and Kat. Great to see you guys stopping by. Uh, if you're new, say hello. Tell us you're new. Uh, if you didn't already know, Wealth, Wine and Wisdom, Andy Fenton over there, extraordinaire in the world of the share market, finance, financial planning, and uh, me, Jason, uh, in the world of real estate. We, uh, we've known each other for quite a while, Andy, and um, we've been helping our respective communities for, you know, probably almost – Two years now. I think we're getting close to ticking into two years in this way. Friday afternoons, debriefing the week because, folks, as you guys know, the media aren't interested in providing you with accurate information that is good for your wealth creation. Uh, they're good at uh, uh, fear and ignorance and, uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, that's what sells, unfortunately. But for all of us as property investors and uh, share investors and portfolio builders and you know, planning your financial future, uh, we need to ignore the the media hype and uh, pick our way through the right information. So uh, that's what Andy and I attempt to do on Fridays, just to debrief the week for everyone, uh, business owners, property investors, investors in general. So uh, that's what wine and Wealth, Wine and Wisdom is all about. And hello to Ashley. Great to see you. Hey, Sharon is an awesome coach. Yes. Did you know, Ashley, that uh, 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 Sharon was my client? So I've coached Sharon for many years, and now she she retired. She actually retired from using uh, real estate and investing to uh, retire herself. She got bored. She was retired for a few years, got bored, <laughs> and now she's coaching. And now she's coaching uh, you, Ashley, and many others. She's a great coach. She's an awesome lady. So welcome, Ashley. Good to see you. And uh, there you go, Tash, Tash Thompson. Hope everything's all good in your neck of the woods, Tash. Hey, you're allowed out now, Tash. <laughs> you, you and Andy can, you and Andy can uh, travel. So anyway, the Victorians are allowed out, and you're allowed into Queensland. I think now, soon. Anyway, yep, it's uh, it's on. Wow, like wow. Uh, like Donkey Kong. I think there's anyway. It could be soon. Could be now. I. Uh, Deanne probably knows if she's still listening. Deanne, tell us when the Victorians can come to Queensland. 
But uh, we used to be all over this, didn't we? And then we just uh, we just kind of thought, well, we're probably never ever going to see each other again face to face. So <laughs> one a.m. Monday, there one a.m. Monday, folks. <laughs> all right, be uh, be on a plane by uh, by twelve o'clock. Fenton's night. on his way. Fenton's on his way. Andy can come visit. Absolutely. Yep. Andy's coming to visit. Well, uh, Tasha's saying it's peak wedding season uh, and, and she's booming. So that's great to hear. Uh, that's fantastic. But as we I do, do folks, uh, like with the old... I came up to uh, Queensland, mate, where I came up to actually visit you, remember? And they, I flew into Gold Coast. They said, you're not allowed to be here. And I've gone, well, that's inconvenient because I'm here. <laughs> um, that you, there's no flights out of here that you could actually book on. And the guy's gone, oh, well, you get, you're going to have to jump into a cab and promise me that you go over the, over the New South Wales border. <laughs> <laughs> like, and said, oh, yeah, mate, no problem. No problem. Yeah, Trust yeah. Me. I'm, Trust I'm, me, I'm a real estate agent. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> My uncle's a lawyer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and, I, yeah, and I'm yeah. training to be a politician. That's it. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, well, there you go. 1 a.m., 1 a.m., mate, we can officially hang out uh, in sunny Queensland. Looks like it's a bit better weather in uh, Melbourne, uh, to be honest. But uh, there you go. Yep. yep. Um, Alexis, good to see you here um, as we do it. So, Folks, what do we do? What uh, what happens uh, in Wealth, Wine and Wisdom? What we do, we debrief the week. You guys know a few of these things. If you've been here once or twice before, what's in the news? What we might do, um, Andy and I thought we might do a little bit of what's in the news, but also uh, a little bit of a recap on on the year. I've got a few like uh, maybe a little bit of I told you so's and, and um, uh, bits and pieces, uh, not too many, but I think uh, uh, that's uh, kind of good. Things you should know. We might get around to that tonight. I know there's one or two things that uh, will always pop up. And as always, if you have a question, any question in any way, shape, or form, whack it in the chat. Whack it in the chat. And uh, let's see if uh, we can get around to having a bit of a yarn about that in one way, shape, or form. And uh, there's Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Good to see you. Fantastic. Um, well, let's do it, Andy. Maybe uh, you want to you want to give it a give it a boot, give it a kickoff. Uh, if you've got your, your he's, Andy's got a new computer, folks, and uh, hopefully he knows his way around it by now. <laughs> well, we'll see, mate. There's 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 nothing like uh, just going straight in with with zero preparation. But uh, mate, we're, we're pretty good in this this tech space, so let's yeah. let's see if we can do it. Let's see what happens. Uh, All right. Well, let's put Andy. Uh, what's in the news? There we go. Happy days. Dun, dun, dun. Look at that. And, uh, and I've even made myself bigger so that uh, I'm more intimidating, Andy. Domination. Mate, that's it. That's it. So, mate, it's a couple of interesting things. We, and sorry, gang, we, we, we forgot our Christmas hats. We, we were meant to be really hamming up the, the, the Christmas um, and bringing in some Christmas themes. But, uh, but, but anyway, it's a little bit too early for that in the news of finance to, to talk about Christmas. But Merry Christmas to everybody. Yes. I uh, hope all of you are going to have amazing times with your respective loved ones and, um, and a very safe and, uh, and funky year ahead. And when I say funky, I hope it's a, a good type of funky, not the bad type of funky. But uh, sending love to all of you. So with that, uh, this has got absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, but <laughs> I thought it's reasonably interesting very much over in my world, mate, and, and I've got, mate, I've got some crackers for you here today. Let me tell you, some of the stupidity that you're about to listen to is just off the charts. You're going to love it. So more than 70% of investors made switches during March and April. Oh, sorry, more than 70% of the people who made switches, investment switches, uh, during the March and April of 2020 left super uh, balances worse off as a result uh, as if they simply did nothing at all. So super switches triple during the pandemic. So there are, what, what that means is there are a lot of people in industry funds who, when the pandemic hit, they got out of their growth style in, of investments, right? And they got into something more conservative, thinking yeah, right. that they're doing the right thing, right? Yeah, so they're, yeah, they're, yeah. Trying, they're ultimately trying to pick the market. So anyway, the, the facts are in, uh, and, and the, this is it, mate. Uh, it's uh, super fund members who bailed out of equities at the height of the pandemic could be tens of thousands of dollars worse off with the new research showing that up to 70% of investments which is made in March and April last year uh, led to poorer financial outcomes. You and I always talk about this. It's not timing the market. It's time in the market. Time in. Time, time in the one. Time, timing the market, trying to pick the right times. Mate, if anybody out there... 
It tells you that they're they're absolute gangbusters at doing this. If they're not a yacht sailing around the Sundays or around the Bahamas or something like that and drinking uh, you know, crystal through a crystal boot of some sort, then I'd call BS on them. <laughs> um, obviously, there are better and worse times and easier times to make decisions. But, uh, but anyway, so uh, the key takeaway from this is get advice, stick in the market, and if you don't know what you're doing, don't try and trade in and out of the market. 70%, 70%, which means that's the odds on all right, the, the majority of people who did it lost money. The analysts uh, of more than 42,000 switching directions by research uh, at Griffith University um, and the financial services software company Iris, they found that the number of super funds with members who switched their options tripled, tripled um, during COVID-19 pandemic. So people are getting in there and they're playing. But um, so but common sense prevails and and let's have a look at where this little rabbit hole i'm going to go down into it <laughs> where we go well i mean it really that that the the short term trying to you know guess which way directions and growth short term maneuvers you know it's not for the faint hearted andy and and to be honest most people get it wrong even the professionals get it wrong most of the time don't they at the end of the day you know we've talked about economists and all this sort of thing you know um yeah if you're an investor certainly in real estate world and, and, and equities world, if you're buying something, well, just keep it and, uh, you know, ride a good stock for a long time. You know, I don't know if you bought a, a Buffett stock, you know, Jeff was talking about a Buffett stock, you know, 40 years ago for 10 grand, you're worth, I don't know, there's multi-millions right now. So, you know, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? You know, stay in line, you know, get in line, stay in line. Yeah, and look, even if you think that you know what you're talking about, just be cautious with it because here's yeah. the stats. The average bad switch during March and April uh, caused an 18% reduction in a person's balance relative to what they would have had if they hadn't switched. 18%, that's not small bickies, and that's the average. Uh, so get good advice, stay in the market, but um, and you know, be able to ride through the trends because here's the thing is that markets are like ecosystems, right? They don't just completely melt down, blow up and go away. Um, they evolve, they change and they come back to balance. And the velocity of, of time, the, veloc sorry, the velocity of money, the velocity of information means that they actually arbitrage. They correct themselves really, really quickly. Sometimes they can be a bit hot and a bit emotional, uh, and you want to try and avoid that where you can, avoid getting in during those periods of times, but ultimately sticking in the market. But mate, so if if you were, if you were, a, I was about to say dickhead, but you know, that's, <laughs> you, 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 you would never be that person. But let's just say you're a politician, Jace, and no. you saw this. And what do you, what would be one of the most stupid things that you could possibly do? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Uh... So in, in what context? As in stop people doing it? If you're a politician, oh, we should either we should legislate spot <laughs> on spot on the money. Have a look at this muppet, and and I'm sure that uh, the professor is very very smart. But check this out, for God's sake! Like talk about the nanny state. Professor Brimble said uh, superannuation industry needs to discuss whether it's uh, become too easy for people to switch investment options. If you think about how switches, how often switches happen these days, member can do them on their phone, their website, get access to anything, blah, 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 blah. So basically, he's sort of coming out and proposing that maybe we should bring more regulation so people can't do what they want with their own money when they want to do it. Nah, like, it's ludicrous. <laughs> it's, just, it's the kind of backwards thinking. And, and, and it's like there's, there's a whole lot of people, you know this, don't you? And everybody, you know this. Like, let, let, let us know in the chat if you, if you believe this is happening. There is a whole lot of people who know nothing about this that are all sitting in a room going, geez, Professor, that's a bloody good idea. That's a really good idea. Let's, uh, let's literally take the universe of technology and the ability for people to be able to think and feel and do things for themselves and let's devolve this a few, a few hundred, maybe a thousand years uh, and take us back to, you know, the Encino days. It's absolutely flaming ridiculous. I can't, I couldn't believe it. When I started getting down the article, I'm like, oh, mate, wait until Jace gets a hold of this. But this <laughs> is the problem. This is one of the big problems in politics yeah. these days is that something happens and this is absurd. And then they go, well, how do we, how do we protect people from themselves? 
And in my world, that's 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 not the job of the government is not to protect people against themselves. It's to protect the country against, you know, threats from overseas and provide economic prosperity for the country and try and run the country well. And, you know, that is fundamentally their job, not to get involved in people's wealth. And, you know, if they do, mate, just check out this one. Like, if these people should be making wealth decisions, check this out. The Victorian state budget was blown out by nearly $8 billion, with the state now predicting a $15 billion deficit. So do you really want these guys actually controlling your purse strings when they can blow a budget up better than anybody I've ever met? Like, nobody I know can destroy a budget like a politician. Seriously. No, well, most of them, Andy, aren't uh, classically trained in any fiscal uh, capacity, are they? I mean, you know, they don't come from, I don't know, accounting backgrounds or whatever it is, you know. Uh, politicians can be, you know, everyday folk, to be honest, and, you know, that's one thing, good thing about our dem- democracy, but also it's a flaw in that system where it comes to, oh, anyone can be a politician, right? And then they're making decisions, like really Big things. And, <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, you know, educate. You and I are passionate about education. People need to learn about their own well-being, their, their financial wealth, and it takes time 100%. and effort. You know, if you want to legislate something, legislate that there should be teaching about financial acumen from year bloody one onwards in schools and in universities. School. You know, come on, you know, yeah. And, you know, it's companies like... Ours and it's companies like Net Wealth, which is a, a company which I love and very close to, uh, and and they actively go out and try and do this. You know, so proactive time in the uh, in the community, trying to educate the younger people, um, so that we don't have these challenges. Rather that, but by the time they grow up, they won't be able to do anything with it because the government will say, "Hang on, you're you've made some money, but you can't handle it. So we're we're going to handle it, and and we're going to blow up a budget." like by $8 billion each quarter. Uh, but, yeah, well done in creating that money. We'll manage it because we've proven that we lose money hand over fist. Um, but, you know, congratulations on your education. I think it's absurd and I know I'm, I'm going to the ridiculous, but it's this is what one, we've mate. been seeing in financial markets now ad nauseum. And, well, Andy, uh, you know, uh, you could probably get a bit more accurate in my, my commentary here, but isn't Australia one of the largest... Um, uh, super slash pension systems in the world per capita, we punch like a gazillion percent above our weight. Like we've got so much money in our super system in comparison to the rest of the world. You know, um, you know the old uh, oh, there's a lot of money. Let's uh, let's angle and wangle, uh, you know, to get control of it. You know, it's, it's got to be there, right? Like <laughs> they they have. Uh... Ever, ever since it came out, there's been different pollies who have who have kind of put their Gillard was giving it a fair fair crack. Like she she definitely had plans to nationalise the scheme, um, but mate, it doesn't work. Like they've they already destroyed. Like they, they were the ones who came up with the defined benefit funds. Mm. I mean, the defined benefit funds. What an incredible scheme to be a part of. Absolutely. But do you know the biggest? Oh, I've already blown it up. What, what's the biggest <laughs> debt? What's the biggest debt that the US have? Yeah, well, it's their uh, their their schemes like that, isn't it? They they yeah. they have those. Um, uh, is it to do with um, oh, the government? Like anyone attached to the government, government jobs, that administration, like that that world is just out of control. Yeah. So anybody in the US that. Um, that has you know a government job there a lot of them are under defined benefit funds which basically mean that you get a multiple of your salary a defined benefit when you retire and it's on years and time in service and final salary and there's very they're quite complicated calculations to figure it out so absurdly uh, complicated that virtually nobody can figure out what they are <laughs> but, so, so it's, yeah. it's, it's an impossible complicated so you don't know what's going on but here's the thing so uh, US 29 trillion is their current national debt. That's their current debt, right? But when we look at the the US unfunded liabilities, we're at $161 trillion, $161 trillion worth of future benefits that are going to come on to to their balance sheet that needs to be paid within the next 20, 30 years. Holy cannoli, mate. And this is what happens when governments try and run funds. And so Gillard had yeah. her, her eyes set on it to nationalise the scheme because, as, as you said, mate, they, they just look 
for wherever the cash is. It's like, where's the cash? And they, they must have listened to us, mate. They must have listened to us, some of our business presentations and they've gone, control the cash. Control the cash. Who controls the cash wins? End they're, of story. They're speaking, yeah. they're speaking to us. They're speaking to us. So anyway, we, we better keep that on the down low moving forward. <laughs> but I, I thought this was an interesting one here as well and I forgot to put in the, the main article. But um, around 30 asset managers and quant fund managers have been trying, to, uh, trying out through the retail lens data offerings uh, since September. Now, what that actually means is that they're now looking to social media. They've actually got screens for, for these things called meme stocks, right? And meme stocks are actually, uh, they're, they're stocks that become cult-like following through either social media or other things. So Tesla was kind of like that, but Game uh, Game Shop, which is in there, which just went absolutely berserk, like zero, and, and people made millions from, from nothing. Uh, AMC Entertainment Holding, again, they call them meme stocks because a lot of the data actually comes and the cult following comes from social media. So yeah. now what these hedge fund managers are doing is they're actually doing social screening in order to start to predict what stocks are going to run like meme stocks. So they're, and this, this is like, like, oh my God. So these guys have got AI robots now that are going through social media to try and find the velocity of trend that go to various different listed in instruments so they can get in ahead of the curve when there's negative trash talk, like what um, uh, our mate Elon Musk does about Dogecoin and, and Shiba and things like that. If they, Cop because they'd put a flag on him. If it tripped him with one of those comments, bang, they'd likely sell out of whatever position they had. Or if he started pumping it up, they'd jump in. So this is an interesting one. The uh, the screening tool um, is a data set on the US retail investor trends um, sold to institutional clients, right? Um, so it's, it's sourcing information from media platforms such as Reddit or Twitter and Facebook, so on and so forth. Uh, the data shared with the clients include the size of retail flows, the most discussed stock on social media and companies that are likely to face retail squeeze um, when small investors rush to a stock that a hedge fund is betting against. Mm. Right? Apple was identified, This and this is gold. I, I mean, I geek out on this stuff significantly. <laughs> Apple was identified as a top uh, retail favorite on December the 6th based on positive sentiment on social media and in-house flow intelligence analysed by the product, Apple shares are now up 8% so far this week. Crazy. As an example. Yeah. Like my mind just started blowing when I started reading through the, these articles, checking out uh, the, the underlying platforms that, that are there. We are in a different world because, Jace, you, you and I have spoken about this a lot, you know, and what, what is, what's the number one thing that drives markets? Like sentiment, like the, the, the be people's confidence, right? You know, at the end of the day, if they're not confident, you know, it won't happen. And if they are, it will happen. And if it, so if we strip sentiment further down, we go, well, it's uh, markets are largely emotional in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And so this is almost a way where people are able to tap into the emotion, the publicized mm. emotion on platforms, yeah. social platforms, to gain a, an average consensus across the average to be able to try and get ahead of curves before they start coming. Like, just think about it. It's, it's literally, it's data mining everybody's comments. And, and if Apple's on the nose, right, they're going to they're gonna rip out of Apple. And, yeah, uh, and it's, it's live. It's live. It's real time. It. It's real yeah. time, right? Yeah, it's real time. And that's, I mean, you and I have talked about this you know, for two years now, the, the speed of information and data. Astronomical. And, 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 and you know, what happens? I mean, uh, I haven't got it in my notes today, but ANZ just launched its new 10-minute loans, right? 10-minute loans. I, it just it just made me think, Andy. That's better than 10-minute loans, right? <laughs> well, I've got an idea, Jace. We're going to come out with the one-minute loans. <laughs> Six-minute abs. Uh, but, you know... <laughs> but 10 you know, minute loans oh, oh. Yeah, how long does it take i know that's a silly question but I, i've worked with the bank before so how long yeah, does yeah. 10 minute it loan doesn't take? take 10 minutes but that's the catch cry right uh, uh so you know far out but so you know it's an interesting one it's the speed like uh you and i uh chatted uh or got a chance to listen to a futurist not so long ago you know we, we mix in um we mix in the world of uh 
you know, a, a fair few business owners. And um, uh, I, I can't, it wasn't Steve Keen. I can't remember his name, but I, I was reviewing his notes the other day. And he talked about what are these things that are going to, um, you know, change our worlds so fast. One of them is 5G. Um, and it's not necessarily 5G, but it's what 5G brings, Andy. Yeah. It's the speed. Like basically what, what, what they're saying is like someone, a doctor could be in the Philippines doing surgery on someone in Sydney um, using the speed, the, the speed of internet um, anywhere in the world, you know, and using robots to, to, to do the surgery. Like mind-blowing, right? Scrape the sentiment, scrape the emotion of the of the world of you know, social media and say, all right, well, which way the market's going to go? That stuff is so, so cool, you know, absolutely. Um, unbelievable and a yeah. real sign of where where the new tweaks to finance are coming. And when we talk about uh, meme stocks, what I think about is cryptocurrencies as well because I, I reckon, but if they're not toying in that already, I reckon they're all over it. I reckon they're running it. They're betting on it at the moment. I reckon they'll be having an absolute game day with that um with that technology in the world of crypto, in the world of NFTs. And, mate, if you're not there, but this is literally the Nostradamus um, of investment. It's uh, it's really incredible and definitely one to watch. I'll be watching it very, very closely. Yeah, well, you know, you and I have said it for a couple of years. It's here to stay. Um, but both you and I were uh, hedging our conversation on it um, uh, because we were waiting for one thing, Andy, and um, – that <laughs> yes, that, that day has arrived, um, and it was gonna come, right? It was gonna yep. come. There was no, you know, there is there. Every country in the world is is bearing down on on the the, the this stuff anyway. I mean, there, there's some serious consequences to there's some serious consequences to the world of social media coming for legislation and uh, management and control and also crypto, you know, whether we, whether we, uh, whether you like it or not, there's, there's some, there's some regulation coming and it's coming all over the world. It's going to be here. You know, uh, Commonwealth Bank said, yeah, you can put it in your Commonwealth Bank wallet, et cetera, et cetera. Michelle's saying, Hey, crypto is being advertised on the radio right now. You know, like, it's it's here and 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 crazy stuff's going on, Andy. So you know, um, there needs to be something go on. Uh, I, I, you know, my my eighteen year old son, and uh, we talk about investing all the time. Callum, and he's like, oh yeah, my mate Bob. Uh, uh, the names have been changed to protect the uh, innocent, by the way. Um, but my mate, you know, Bob or or Jeff. Um, now he's doing real great in crypto. He's up to thirty grand. You know. Like, like, any other fuck. I don't know about you, mate, but like, I wasn't talking about investing when I was eighteen. You know, <laughs> like, well, this is crazy, right? And so, you know, every eighteen-year-old knows about crypto. Yeah, like you and I didn't know about shares or property when we were eighteen. I mean, shiver me timbers. Like, you know, the 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 average the average eighteen-year-old, you know, what we were into bloody fast cars. Having a few drinks and chasing the opposite sex, you know. Um, so, well, mate, I reckon there's probably an opening for those uh, young younger people who want to do that. There's probably a captive market because everyone's talking about investing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, mate, it's it was inevitable. They had to get a hold of it. Oh, mate, I this is going to be one of the themes for next year in wealth, wine, and wisdom. And, yeah. And and th- my Nostradamus prediction. Well, this we predicted this ages ago, but. Um, uh, but my prediction is that this is going to give us more laughs as they try and roll this out. I mean, the, the country can't keep all of its states together, right? <laughs> Let alone have a single app that works for COVID uh, and tracking of COVID and all of those sorts of things. So, mate, what's going to happen? Are we going to have a Victoria coin and a New South Wales coin, a WA coin, a Queensland coin? A, a uh, let's, coin? let's bloody hope not, Andy. It's, oh. it's like the railway system in Australia for crying out loud. Like they have the same gauge for, I mean, I mean, we're the same country. Like, you know, it, <laughs> mate, it's going to be, oh, it will be the buffoons uh, rollout. Mate. I, uh-huh. 
seriously, I, when it comes to technology, I wouldn't trust these guys to sit the right way on a toilet seat. And uh, and they're about to try and launch a currency into, uh, into Australia, mate. It's it's going to be an absolute uh, pleasure to watch. Uh, and wait, wait, wait until wait until he's up there and he's having to report on what might be a multi-billion-dollar clusterfuck that's uh, that's just happened, uh, where people have lost a lot of money due to <laughs> NBN. <laughs> NBN. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the hey, difference is people know about this stuff as well. That it's got to, you're going to have school kids basically saying, oh, I told you that was going to happen. Yeah, no, no, stay away from the government coins. Yeah. Those government coins are, are, are a bag of dog shit. Mate, it's an interesting one, isn't it? So, you know, that, that stuff's out there and has something else that, uh, you know, we were chatting about a second ago, you know, the cost of um, Australia's ageing population, you know, when it comes to super and, and underwriting some of our financial um, our financial risks into the future. You know, any you know, part of our our foundational conversation with people is like, hey, the government's not not here to look after you when you're old. And um, you know, they actually can't even afford it. They, they they can't afford to do it right now. Just so you know, you know, right now, if you're 30, 40, 50, the covered the government has not enough money put aside to look after you. They don't have. And, and if you don't have some money put aside, then, you know, there's going to be some challenges and some troubles. So, you know, uh, not only America's got some got some issues there with their uh, their big big debts, Andy, but um, so too does Australia. Our well, taxpayer base needs to increase. I, I've said this for, for years, over a decade. Australia needs 40 million people, not 26 million. Well, mate, uh, they've got to open the borders for all of that sort of stuff. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, just just as a as a headline, we're currently sitting at eight trillion dollars worth of debt um, here. Now I can't in Australia, I cannot find the unfunded liabilities right now. But if you keep on having a bit of a yarn, I may well find it. Um, but there's there's a it's quite a simple mathematical equation really. At the end, is that there becomes a time where the amount of debt cannot be paid off without a substantial increase in the revenue. Yeah. So that, that, that's what's called the debt ceiling, right? And I don't think a lot of people actually understand what the debt ceiling is. That debt ceiling is basically um, it's the event that if you were to re- relate it to a journey in a car, it's when the car has been crumpled up to about two foot long because it ran into a brick wall at 200 kilometres an hour, right? It's, it's a bit beyond repair. Yeah. That's what the debt ceiling was in the state. So they passed through that. So they, in in theory, they're broke. And that unfunded uh, liability section, that just keeps spiraling with the promises that they make, uh, which they'll break in the future anyway. Um, you know, promise made today is uh, not necessarily uh, a promise. Well, it doesn't get them elected next time. So that's the, that's the issue, Andy. Right. Ah, she'll be right, mate. It's it's only four years. I'm only around. It'd be someone four else's years. problem if I don't get elected, you know. Um, <laughs> that's ludicrous. So, mate, this this and there's there's no. It does not astound me by any stretch of the imagination that uh, that they didn't see this coming. Uh, well, they've been talking I mean, about it for a long time. I mean, this has been on the radar. Well, as you know, for at least twenty years since I've been paying attention, you know. Um, Oh, absolutely. We've been I talking about the games a little bit. It. Yeah, a little, little bit, a little bit late. But you know, it's it, it. There's only there's only one way to deal with it. Like you said, is you you got to have enough. Uh, you got to have a, a a decent enough taxpayer base, and Australia doesn't have it. We we got we got a massive country. Uh, we've got such dispersed expenses and infrastructure. Uh, we need more people, and you know, and whether 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 you like to hear it or not, like you know, someone's going to take my job. You know, get over it, folks. We won't have an economy in the future if we don't have enough people in the country, and we're getting older, and you're not having enough babies. So either get on the job and uh, <laughs> get busy, right, or open the borders and let a few people in. <laughs> My God, who who was that? Which which uh, prime minister was that? He basically said, "Come on, pull your pants down and do it for Australia." <laughs> Wasn't that Bob Hawke or something? Bob Hawke, you know, one of those Bob. He was like, you know. One for the country, like one, yeah. one for you and one for the country, or something, wasn't it? Was it? <laughs> anyway, that's funny. <laughs> well, I thought I'd do a bit of a wrap up, Andy, um, on what sort of um, in my neck of the woods, you know, what kind of you know transpired for the year. 
um, or, or so. And um, hey, listen, you know, there was a lot of talk about interest rates in the world of real estate and finance. And uh, to be honest, it's gone sort of nowhere. The variable rate's still pretty low. A few of the lenders adjusted their fixed rate because, hey, that's uh, that's in their discretion. But there, there's no movement from the Reserve Bank. You know, they're talking 2024 and beyond, um, you know, maybe. But, uh, you know, hey, for the next couple of years, don't stress. So, we're, you know, low interest rates are here for a little while. I, I think they're going to be here for a long time, folks. Sub five interest rates are here forever. That's that's the way I see it. You know, Andy, you and you and I. I mean, my first loan was in two thousand um, uh, and two, two thousand and one, two thousand and two, and it was eleven percent for crying out loud, folks. You know, and um, it was astronomical, but it, everyone was paying it. That's what you did, right? So <laughs> anything below five percent uh, interest rate is is you're winning, folks, you know, just so you know, right? So we've got a long way to go before interest rates are untenable in any way, shape or form across this nation. Um, so I think we're good to roll. So um, this year, interest rates interest rates uh, didn't move. Nothing to, to – to, to <laughs> Michelle's too old for baby, she said. Sorry, Michelle. Well, <laughs> someone's got to do it. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> it's a, it's a, just encourage the kids encourage the kids jeez like we're, we're, we won't be allowed back next year no no we like yeah ban them ban them off of uh off of facebook but uh, so you know uh, uncle jason said uh, come on you lot uh, but you know the interest rates we're good to roll next year it was interesting i was chatting with sam my business partner um Andy, you know him and, and folks listening in, a few guys know him. He was like going, you can see in the media, um, nobody's picking on 2022 because it's going to be a cracker, right? They're all talking about 2023 because 2022 is already locked and loaded, folks. Nothing's going to happen, especially in the real estate world. We, we're, we're underwritten right now when it comes to the real estate game um, with some pretty – uh, interesting convergences in pressures and, and upswings. So, you know, we're good to roll. Um, but, you know, maybe 2023 and 2024 will be a bit different, but, you know, I don't think so. Uh, there's some foundational things that are in place that aren't going to change too quickly. So interest rates are staying. Okay. Um, let's have a look at what else um, um, came home to roost this year. Andy, we have got the lowest average vacancy um, in Australia, we have ever seen in history. Um, so uh, now across uh, almost every capital city of Australia, we are under 2%. Now, Sydney and Melbourne are well on their way. Um, that was October. I know right now that Melbourne just dropped under 3%. It's 29 um, Seriously. Like, I'm not kidding you, folks. This is insane. Insane vacancy rate. So insane. You wait till like three people arrive in any one of those cities and the rents are going to go up $200. Like under a under 1% vacancy rate, Andy, is like there is no, there's nothing to rent. There's nothing. There's nothing. Like there's nothing on the market. It is just ludicrous. In And Brisbane 1.4, that's the lowest vacancy rate we have seen like ever in Brisbane's history. And it's the hottest market right now. And, you know, and Melbourne and Sydney, Melbourne has been beaten to a pulp because of lockdowns, right? But, but this is the thing. Like it's still a, it's still a city of 6 million people, Andy. It, like it popped. Uh, is it 6 million or 5 million? Sorry. We, what did it pop? It, did it pop through 5 million throughout COVID? It still busted through the, that, 5 million, that 5 million mark in the middle of COVID anyway. Folks, like it didn't like, oh, everyone was leaving Melbourne. Like uh, 25,000 people left, right? And we still cracked through 5 million people in Melbourne. You know, like I don't believe the hype. You know, the media can ham it up a little bit and a few people can march up and down the street and be cranky, which is perfectly fine. But that doesn't take away from the foundational pressures of, um, of the real estate game, which means, hey, 
there's not enough good quality properties to rent. So we have landed, Andy, in the lowest vacancy Australia has ever seen in real estate terms. And actually, you and I talked about this one. It's a new record. Yeah. (laughs) Breaking records. Records everywhere. We're breaking them. We should have a little meme. Usually you've got a meme, a record breaking. (laughs) (laughs) But again, hey, listen, 60% increase in industrial land in in melbourne uh in 2021 i don't know if you knew that Mm. and the lowest vacancy in history of industrial land on the east coast of australia um ever another record broken andy um industrial land is like bushgar right so there's some there's some crazy stuff going on we've landed we're we're ending the year on a kind of like a whoa that's this shit's if this shit's going to get crazy. Like we thought last year was crazy. 2022 is like batshit crazy, right? When it comes to the pressure that is building up in the system right now. And uh, when we have a look at a few things, last but not least, the supply chain, it, you know, it, it has declined significantly. It's choked hard. Um, what we've seen here, this is an interesting one, Andy. What we've seen is quite a significant about 60,000 houses come on online which have been stimulated by government free money right so not the real market um it is the fake market and it's an interesting one because the stimulation has come from free cash these people have entered those markets so what it, it was like a the, it, it's absorbed two and a half years of supply, two and a half years of land supply. 60-odd thousand people have left, um, uh, entered the ownership market, so which is a good thing for them. They, they got free money, which is great, and, and, and the marketplace you know, got a bit, of, uh, a bit of kick on a momentum. But now that party's over, the free money's over, and you watch, you watch these, this bar chart like collapse next year because you know because the the medium density like the the apartment market the townhouse market absolutely like poleaxed like just gone gone well so there's a couple of things that we might see we might see um and this is what i'm wondering about the industrial side because industrial property is a very specific type of property right and when you think industrial you've got to think logistical these days yeah. because the, the the last mile theory you know 80 percent of the cost is in the last mile yeah um uh, and what is it 70 percent of statistics are lies but uh, no that is that, <laughs> it's it's actually higher and 87 percent of presenters make up statistics on the spot <laughs> I, do, I just don't have the slide it's ballpark it's around there right it's close <laughs> But it's if the government are releasing the land for industrial as opposed to what the the company or where the companies are going to be wanting them, that's going to be really interesting. And so, mm. you know, it'll be interesting to see whether you've got Google's, Amazon's, um, some of these big super giant companies snapping up the lands that, that's released or whether they're buying elsewhere. I, for me, industrial leading indicators are going to be the big companies, right? Because uh, they're the ones who really have their finger on the pulse and they're the ones who are fighting for that last mile uh, in in consumer uh, delivery so that they can get their products cheaper into your hands and faster because people are very impatient now and the velocity of the package to you is going to be a really big focus. And so the government are probably thinking about uh, trains and automobiles, but these companies are thinking about um uh, drones and, drones, and stuff mate. like that. Yep, right? yep. So, Barbecue well, chicken via the drone, Andy. Well, well <laughs> yep. the government government is still delivering things via stalk. Um, <laughs> you know, these companies are thinking, and, and and the logistical nature of that, it's then, okay, well, so population areas to airports, traffic, air traffic, boom, all of this stuff is going to start to come into it. And, mate, I don't think the government would, would, would know jack about it. But anyway, that, that's because I have very little faith um, in the government. But yeah, uh, I'm interested from a housing supply perspective because this, and I don't, I just don't get 
the rationale behind the decision making by the government to to stimulate so aggressively in the in the building sector, which created its own problem. Uh, they, they've overdone it. Yeah. And they've overcooked what was a supply chain shortage. It's like, for God's sake, guys, understand, you've locked the borders, There's, the shit's not going to come in, right? You've created a huge amount of friction and then you've gone thump, and created a huge amount of demand. It's like, you're, you guys are meant to, to, to try and protect us from this sort of stuff and, you, and you're actually accelerating uh, the, the issue. And then they're coming back and they're going, oh, housing crisis, we've got to back the loans. Yeah, yeah, you caused the problem. Yeah, and and you're standing there going, "Oh, you know, we got to fix it now." Like, come on now, you know. Uh, I reckon yeah. next year, I reckon you might see some stupid releases, um, which will then potentially at some point in time have a, a completely different effect. And I think that low quality property, and I don't know property, but I think that you know the lower end property could get really, really hammered um, if they do stupid. Yeah big releases it um, does it does we, we we had a bit of that um you know even if they wanted to wind it up today and say let's get on with the folks we need to fix this it's a three to five year time frame for delivery right um you know it doesn't matter which way you slice it doesn't matter what the government does they could give the land away for free it, it just it won't be like it won't be livable for five years it won't be com- started and, and developed within three years so you know we, we can't fix the next three years but maybe in five years if the government has any brain then they might but i doubt it i doubt it very much andy but this is the thing <clears throat> the challenge is this man and and the point of bringing up that industrial land the industrial infill development uh, like industrial to residential infill what 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 normally happens in a city is is the residential pushes the industrial out and it just gets pushed further away like sydney it's pushed industrial to newcastle right so you, go, you have to go to the end of the freeway to newcastle and you know pushes it to places so so that that metric that financial metric cuz like oh well what it's worth is industrial but compared as a development site well the development sites for residentials worth more industrials worth less well let's sell it you know, I'll make a profit. Right now, it's actually worth more as an industrial site than it is a development site. And so so that's going to exacerbate this supply chain issue, um, especially that kind of like infill, that, that industrial infill around most cities um, where you don't want to be, you know, 55 kilometres from the CBD. You want to be 20 kilometres from the CBD, that, that industrial area that needs to be infilled, it's old, it's 50 years old for, and, you know, that used to be the one that got infilled and 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 developed. You know, it's called urban renewal. Um, urban renewal now is not cost effective. It's going to take urban renewal apartments from four hundred to a million dollars. And and who's going to pay a million dollars for a one bedroom? Twenty k from the CBD doesn't make any sense, right? So, you know, but it will happen. Like like I'm telling you right now, somebody will at some point. Um, but uh, not today, not today. Um, but uh, the psychology of housing. Uh, the average house price for a million dollars has popped, Andy. And and let's go to this one as we go because, you know, most Australians live in, um, you know, a couple of pretty significant cities, the East Coast, you know, million-dollar houses in Sydney. Nobody bats an eyelid to buy a million-dollar house. Melbourne, you know, house for a million bucks, that's cheap, right? Um, and uh, the talk in Brisbane, Queensland is like a million dollars is cheap. Check out Canberra, right? Million, like it's a million bucks. Um, it's more expensive than Melbourne, and um, you know we've got a couple of you know smaller cities that that uh, that uh, you know are, are still in that affordable range. But you know, let's face it, folks. Um, uh, you know they're not economically that strong. I mean, Adelaide's kind of you know I wouldn't be going there if you can if you can buy somewhere else. But uh, you know. Canberra, Melbourne, Brisbane, they're the top four. And Perth, it's not bad, but it's still a bit weird, old Perth. It's a long way away. And um, economically, it's attached to mining, and mining can be quite quite volatile um, in the world of real estate. So it's an interesting one. Are they still part of Australia, Jay? I, I, I thought they left. <laughs> well, they've, they've tried to break away about a thousand times, Andy. They're like, we've had enough of you lot. You know, we're having a lot, you know, but uh, – 
But the point of this one, Andy, is I, I, I want to point out the difference here, folks. Where have we ended up? What is what has 2021 given us? The difference, the largest difference um, in in years. I think it's over 27 years. The largest difference, collective difference, the gap between house pricing and unit pricing. The gap between house pricing and unit pricing. That's where so we that- are. All right. So where's the value? And how's, how's that measured, mate? Is that uh, like square meterage or? Uh, just median, average. median pricing. Median, median, not average. Median yep, price. median. Yep. Yep. And obviously that would uh, that would vary from suburb to suburb. But uh, yep. when you think about this, we have the largest gap between median house price and median apartment price um, we, we have seen in over 20 years in Australia's history. And, uh, you know, now if interest rates go up a little bit and people still need to buy and whatever, there's, there's significant value being built into the apartment space. Um, and, um, you know, like, I, like my number one pick, folks, is Melbourne every day of the week. It's still very affordable, like, but like it's, it's a, it's a gold mine, but. We will be back, Jace. We will be back. You can't <laughs> keep Melbourne back. down. You'll make a comeback. Uh, but the challenge is a lot of people don't believe it because the yields are so low in Melbourne, right? So the prices are great. The pressure is perfect, but the yields are low. And that's only because um, Melbourne's been beat up. And let's let's take a look at the last chart, um, which is not the vacancy, but uh, the household income. Where did I put that one? Or maybe I didn't put it in there. Is it this one? No. Let me see if I can find it for you because it is an excellent one to really round out what we're talking about. I think it's here. Here we go. This one here. Got it. Andy. So the rent snapshot. You have a look at Melbourne. Every other city um, has like, you know, massive positive territory, you know, for, you know, 2021, the last 12 months change. Um, and let me integrate that into my Prezo. Um, if we have a look at, uh, I'll just integrate that into uh, what we're talking about. Uh, let's put it down here. And, you know, if you have a look at Melbourne in here, why I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on Melbourne is because its rental yield has been has been suppressed not because it's not fundamentally a great bet. It's just because of the lockdowns in Melbourne. Like like the lockdown has affected the, the property market way more than any other market in Australia. So, yes. so basically you can purchase you can purchase in Melbourne in apartments based pretty well. Um, and every other city in Australia has had, you know, almost double digit growth in in both um both asset classes from a rent point of view, but Melbourne hasn't. And so I believe Melbourne will pop next year and the year after when it comes to rentals. It, it's, it's, it's miles behind the rest of the country. Um, and so if you're buying today for 600 grand in Melbourne and your rent's $500 a week, I believe it will pop to 600, maybe even 650 within two years easily. Like it, it's this built up demand in, in that space. So, you know, that's where I, 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 I've got the pick for the end of the year, Andy. That's where I think we're landed. You know, we've mate, landed well, that's, at. That, that, that's interesting, mate, just before you, you go for, further forward on this because there's been a few things that have uh, been around about vac- uh, uh, auction clearances and things like that in Melbourne recently. And I know this is on the, the tips of the tongues of, of, of a few of my clients and a few of my team members. Uh, and... So the question is, so they're saying that the market has softened a bit in Melbourne just recently and the, the clearing rates are, are dropping. And I started thinking about it a little bit and I'd love your take on it. But I was sort of like, you know what, we're, we're coming to the end of two years of, of basic lockdown. Um, so consumer sentiment may be a little bit soft, but, but I also kind of felt like people's priorities right now is about Christmas, not buying. It's about actually going out and enjoying 100%. Because that dynamic, and of course, there's always going to be people who will be looking. But I'm, I'm just wondering whether there is, you know, there, there's sort of that opportunity that's been created because 
of the timing of of, of this. It's not necessarily a, a fundamentals based thing, but um, what, what's your take on it, mate? Because it's just it's a little bit unusual that it, it sort of softened a bit. And my, I guess my question is, did it soften? Um, what what's your take on the, the the softening of it? Is it that just people don't have faith? Oh, listen. Like 100% we're coming from highs. You can't go from like 90% clearance rate to 95% clearance rate to 98% clearance rate. Like that doesn't work, right? Like, you know, and what what has happened is the volume of listings has actually increased as well, right? So there's a little talk, little little talk about, um, you know, interest rates going up. There was, you know, probably two months ago, there was a little bit of kerfuffle, APRA and whatever. So, you know, call it a hundred listings and now there's 200 listings. It wasn't that much, but it was, there was an increase about 30 to 40% of people who wanted to like, Oh shit, the market's peaked. I'm getting out. Let's get it done. Right. So then the choice is there. Once you sort of give a bit more choice, um, people, you know, aren't as committed. There's not as much. Yep. So number one, the, the, the volumes have increased. And, but by the way, Andy, like from record highs and record lows, yeah, do you know what I mean? So kind of like softening in context from what? Like <laughs> from the record high, there's only one fucking way to go. It's like, you know, 5% down. I mean, there's nothing to worry about, folks, you know, like do, do you know what I mean? So um, and, yeah. Yeah, and 100% yeah. clearance rates and then next week it was uh, 98, the largest drop in clearance rates that we've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In recent history, six weeks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Since our last article four hours yeah, ago, yeah. that's the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, uh, yeah, the volume has increased, but not significantly, not in any way a significant way, um, and absolutely one hundred percent. You know, I uh, I've got business interest in multiple residential real estate agencies as well as property investment coaching businesses and stuff like that. Um, mate, we have seen it across the board. Literally, people have switched off in December, and uh, it's usually not the case. Usually, it happens you know, come 20-something of December. But I, I believe two years of, like, uncertainty, lockdowns, blah, 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 blah. Australia's had a gutful, and they're like, fuck it, it's December, I'm out. You know what I mean? I, like, And I'm seeing it in the stats in my businesses. Uh, we're seeing it in the stats in our inquiries in our our sale, properties for sale, and you can see it in the stats for, you know, clearance rates and, you know, um, you know, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, I... Listen, I think we're going to have a quiet January, but I think we're going to have an insane February, March, April. I think it's just going to go crazy next year until we get to election time, um, and then there'll be kind of like a, okay, let's see what's happening. You're right, you know that's 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 what I, that's what I think. So, um, well, interest mate, rates at, are low at least still. at least there won't be uh, tax rises. Uh, they won't bring in the COVID levy. I won't imagine next year. Uh, no, well, there's a lot of talk about dropping business tax rates, which I think is very smart, Andy. Like at the end of the day, you and I know that, you know, small businesses are the backbone of this country. You know, in a small blip, Adam, you you, yep. you put more money into my pocket, mate, in my business, and I will just punch that into talent and resources and Totally. We'll hire more people. We'll make more things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and by the way, if, if you're out there and, you know, uh, a great advisor or a client services officer, uh, we forgot to put the plug out there, but yeah, yeah. send them my way. Yeah. If you know any uh, coaches that, uh, that want to get involved in property, we're deadly serious. Go see Jace and, uh, and have a chat. We're, we're always keen to find good talent out there. It's shameless promotion coming into Christmas. I don't care. Totally. Um, but, but yeah, if, yeah. You, if you know any ser- client service officers that want to join an incredible team, then uh, I'm definitely on the lookout and and for advisors as well. Uh, so keep us in mind over Christmas. That would be the most incredible Christmas present you could give us. Totally, G- give us a referral, folks. We're looking for coaches. Positive's looking for coaches, great finance brokers, and great property managers. Andy is looking for client services and also financial planners um, in that space in that world. So hey, listen. Give us just a, give us just give us a uh, give us a referral. <laughs> yep, hundred percent. And uh, I want to just touch on this, guys. Guys, just so that because uh, Jason and I may or may not do impromptu's over Christmas. Who knows? We we always say that we will, but then don't. Uh, but if we do, uh, great. But we're going to leave you alone for a little while over Christmas, and you're going to be in the hands of the media. 
And that's going to be an interesting place to be. Let's just face it. They're going to try and rock your world in, in 400 different ways and scare the shit out of you, beat you up, all of those sorts of things. So maybe a little, just as a little bit of a, a leaving you in comfort. Uh, interest rates, again, we've talked about this a lot. Japan is the only country which we've got where we can look, and they're a modern economy, ladies and gentlemen. They were leading the way until the Asian currency crisis. But down there, you can see 2000, uh, sorry, before 2000, so it's over 22 years ago now, um, these guys have not been able to raise their rates off zero. They have been zero for over 22 years now. Now, if Japan can't do it, I'm going to say that Australia is probably a little bit unlikely to do it in the short term. So if you want to just chill out and, and ignore the inflation data, just take a breath and go, nobody else has ever been able to do it successfully. Do you think Australia is better? And I love Australia. But do you think our politicians are better and are going to be able to do it better? <laughs> probably not. You're going to see, I, most likely, you'll see something like that. And that's what I call an oh fuck moment. That's where they did it. And they went, oh, too oh. soon. Uh, and while we're in, in that zone, time in the market, do I get in, do I get out? Is it going to be a bad Christmas? Is it going to be a gun Christmas? You know, these are the sorts of questions that, uh, that, that people constantly ask. You know, is Christmas a bad time in investment markets? Well, ladies and gents, the, this is the Australian uh, market over the last 12 months. Uh, 10, uh, this is oh, the ASX 200, 10%. Average return, that's what we talk about uh, and that's that's ultimately what we try and strive for in our Australian equities portfolio. Hasn't shot the lights out. It's just a good year. And when you talk about time in the market, if you try and get out, look at this is what happened. That was COVID and then we busted through it and, uh, and we haven't been back. And as Jay said about the million-dollar uh, mark, well, we had the 7,000 jitters. Yeah. Right, just there and there, we had the seven thousand jitters, and but once it broke through with a level of comfort, it just powered on through, and so we're we're seeing sort of new market conditions. I'm not saying that it's going to be a steady ride right the way through, but this is what we're seeing. This is the U.S. market over uh, over the last twelve months, gone gangbusters, twenty seven percent, just absolutely outstanding, and again, this is COVID, ladies and gentlemen, so. Where if over the course of Christmas, the media just try and just bedazzle you with bullshit uh, or just try and scare the lights out of you just so they can grab your attention. And that's all it is. They're just trying to get your attention. It's like a baby screaming its ass off because it wants attention. So when they do that, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, when they do that and they start to try and push you, just go, oh, I remember Anne said that the media are just a bunch of babies and they're crying louder and louder and louder trying to get our attention. And, uh, and then just go back and go, Japan, good country, great country. Did some bad things once upon a time, um, but, you know, most countries have. Um, and I don't, I don't mean to, that's terrible. I don't mean to make light of that. But um, they've never been able to raise it. I don't think we're going to be seeing anything too soon over here. I think that markets will change, mechanisms will change. Uh, the media won't. They're going to stay the same and they're going to try and get your attention. But just Uncle Andy and Uncle Jason said, just chill out, enjoy Christmas. Don't allow them to just scare the shit out of you. Be happy, be merry, be okay with it and, and understand that the world is not going to collapse uh, over the next December, January, no matter what markets do. And there's going to be volatility because people are going to get scared at different points in time. But just chill, drink some eggnog if you're American, um, yep. and uh, and in, and enjoy it because yeah, I think that you're right, Jace. I think that 2022 is going to be a very very interesting year on on so many different levels, and you just want to come into it with a solid head, uh, solid mind. You want to be relaxed when you come into it so that you can make good decisions rather than. Uh, allowing the uh, the cortisol levels to pump through the system because you're freaking out because the media keep banging on about inflation. And uh, spoiler alert, they're going to have good retail sales over Christmas. It's not inflation. It's just retail sales. Yeah, it's people are people have got a bit of coin and they're, they're happy to celebrate Christmas. Yep, no, no stress. Well, 
There you go, mate. Um, I think that's a great way to to call it uh, call it done and dusted. But uh, Alison said she's going uh, camping at Lake Weirdo over Christmas, and that's <laughs> that's a that's, Lake Weirdo is a bit of a bit of a play for uh, Sam and his uh, his uh, podcast. So uh, enjoy, Alison. Hopefully, you come back alive um, from Lake Weirdo. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm extremely intrigued. We're going to have to share what this Lake Weirdo is. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tag you on the, uh, on the podcast. But uh, David, thanks, mate. Appreciate you, buddy, um, and um, appreciate you um, giving us a little bit of feedback. We, we, like, we, we do it because we love it, but uh, also um, appreciate being appreciated, like, uh, like anyone. It's always nice to get uh, get a bit of a shout out every now and then. So, uh, folks, I think uh, I think that's it, Andy. We're done. We're dusted. It's kind of like a, I feel like I fell over the finish line this year. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it's been yeah yeah it's been an interesting one um, for sure. But mate, it's been uh, it's been made better hanging out with you each Friday, my friend. Um, that is for sure. 100% mate I, yeah. I couldn't have done the second lockdown without you couldn't have uh, done the whole whole of COVID without you mate and I think that some of the bombs that you've dropped over the last uh, 12 months have just been absolute cherries for those people who are uh, who are out there and um, including Brandon you know probably even got some good tips before he went on his filthy little ways but uh, but mate uh, I, I can absolutely guarantee this that uh, you've been an asset to, to me you've been an asset to, to the clients um, you've been an asset to the people who have been listening to this uh, and mate the, I, I'm, I'm yet to get one of your predictions that are madly out uh, that are wrong so um, I've got my eye out for them but I'm hoping they never come but uh, mate thanks for sharing your wisdom I reckon it was more wisdom than wine over the last 12 months <laughs> and uh, and it really has from the bottom of my heart mate I, I, I love you and it's been an incredible couple of years and uh, mate we'll keep doing it as long as Absolutely. you keep turning up I'll keep turning up Mate, uh, Fridays sound good to me, mate. So, yeah. All right, buddy. Well, appreciate that. Ditto right back at you. And uh, big shout-out to you, folks. We wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you guys. Thank we you. Love, uh, we love doing what we do uh, because it helps people and uh, you guys uh, you guys are right at the centre, right at the heart of what we do. So uh, appreciate you. Have an awesome break. Have an awesome uh, chill whatever that might look like for you. And um, we'll see you guys in early 2022. And we'll do it again um, with uh, Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. So it's a uh, final for 2021. Good night from him. <laughs> and it's a good night from me. Good night, everyone. Good night. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, team.